That's classified. It's what? It's classified. It had been deemed classified. And B, that footage is highly classified. Classified. It's classified. You can't tell right. anybody, but... People need to know. Welcome to CIO Classified, where you'll find candid conversations with the world's leading CIOs. In each episode, we have two different CIOs discuss a single topic. This week, we were joined by Robert Dixon and Rick Riaboli. Robert is the former CIO of a company you're probably pretty familiar with, PepsiCo. As CIO, Robert's led critical digital transformation campaigns for PepsiCo, working as CIO for almost 10 years before retiring. He was recently named to Okta's board of directors. Rick Riaboli is executive vice president and CIO of Comcast Cable, where he's worked for over 15 years. From helping design and launch Comcast Xfinity's voice remote to maintaining Comcast's suite of connected customer service experiences, Rick keeps customer experience at the forefront of his work at Comcast. On this episode, Robert and Rick discuss how the role of the CIO has evolved and how modern CIOs can drive customer impact across their organization. But before we start, let's hear a word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Box, Okta, Slack, and Zoom. Modern employees demand the best tools at work. If your company wants to embrace the modern work environment, you need best-of-breed tools like Box, Okta, Slack, and Zoom. This episode of CIO Classified is brought to you by Okta. Okta is a complete access management platform for your workforce and customers, securing all your critical resources from cloud to ground. Okta ensures your employees and customers have access to the right tools at the right time from any location and any device. Learn more about the leader in identity-driven security at okta.com. That's O-K-T-A dot com. Welcome to CIO Classified. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios, and I am joined by two amazing guests and my amazing co-host, Cassidy. How are you? I'm good. How are you today, Ian? I'm doing wonderful and excited to talk to our two guests. First, Rick, how are you? I'm doing great, Ian and Cassidy. Good to be here. Yeah, good to have you. And Robert, how are you? Doing great, Ian and Cassidy. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, thanks for for joining the show. So, you know, Robert, we'll we'll start with you. You've uh, you've been a CIO before at at a, a pretty big company that I'm sure everybody knows of, PepsiCo, and now you are working on a variety of different things. Uh, you're a board member. Tell us a little bit about what you're working on. Well, today I, I sit on four public boards, and um, I also uh, am quite active at my um, alma mater, Georgia Tech, on a number of boards as well. And I'm a trustee at the Institute. And then I do a little bit of spot consulting from time to time. And in between that, I try to get a little bit of rest and relaxation. <laughs> no, rest for the, uh, no rest for the CIO, but perhaps, uh, perhaps a little bit of rest now. I'm curious, uh, over the years at, at PepsiCo, were you, uh, how much rest did you get then? Oh, well, that was 24-7, always on. Rick understands that. <laughs> but it was a, look, it was a global job, and um, it was uh, a job that touched every aspect of the way the company does business. And it was that way at Procter & Gamble as well, prior to me joining uh, PepsiCo. But uh, it just is something that comes with the territory, and you just have to enjoy doing it. And Rick, so for you, you know, you and I have, uh, we, we caught up uh, 
gosh, it had to be about a year ago now, the world uh, entirely changed. Um, tell us a little bit about what's going on uh, as, as CIO of Comcast. Yeah, changed changed pretty dramatically starting on, on March 13th for me. So what's been going on at Comcast is pretty similar. Probably what's going on with a lot of companies. We we went into what I call COVID mode on, on March 13th and um, have sort of been in that mode ever since. And we sent all our employees home on March 13th, including our call centers and all our offices across the country and all started working um, remotely on video. And it's been, it's been a blast, um, but definitely been keeping me on my toes. I'm sure. How has, how has the remote work and, and moving everybody to, I mean, Comcast does internet and cable and all kinds of stuff. I imagine a lot has to be done in the office. How has work changed for you then since March 13th for you and your teams? Yeah, it's, it's gone surprisingly well. When we first talked about doing this, I thought the world was going to come to an end. And um, it's amazing. I mean, literally everybody transitioned into working from home. The network has done phenomenal for us. As a company, the network has performed. We've we put a lot of investment into the network prior to this, you know, over the last several years. And uh, so the, the network did extremely well through everyone getting on during the day and starting to all of a sudden start doing video conferencing. But even everything from our call centers to our um, software development teams, everybody just adjusted to the new norm. And um, it was funny for the first three months of COVID, our teams were working practically around the clock, making a ton of changes to our, to our systems. And our productivity as a software development team had gone up pretty tremendously I expected when we went around and did net promoter score for our employees a couple months later, I expected our ENPS to go down and it hit an all-time high in motivation. So interesting combination of everybody working from home, productivity going up, motivational scores going up. So all in all, there's um, there's a lot to be happy about. Cassidy, if I may add, what I've seen in addition to what, uh, what Rick has expressed as well so so articulately. The other thing that I've seen is um, most companies, if not all companies, have leaned in and they've uh, actually are doing an acceleration of their digital investments as a result of the um, the pandemic. And it's not just for the the work at home dynamic, which is very important. You know, dealing with the employee and the workforce and ensuring that everyone is uh, safe and secure and can do their work. But what companies quickly discovered is their their whole value proposition was just turned on its ear. And all of a sudden, you just can't create revenue the way you've historically created it. So digital was um, a key unlock for companies finding new ways of doing business and retaining or reinventing their business models and inviting customers back into the fold or retaining customers and keeping them from leaving the fold as well. So that investment in digital has gone up tremendously during this uh, time of pandemic as well. Robert, when you're talking about accelerating, because we've, we've heard that as well from a lot of CIOs, like what does that acceleration feel like? Is that just like the CFO coming to the CIO and saying like, hey, I know I've been pushing you off for the last four years, but like all the let's rock and roll or what does that look like? Well, it's not just the CFO. I mean, it's all of the business leaders. I see it in a couple of, on a couple of dimensions. One is on, from a workforce standpoint, 
when employees, one of my one of my clients I work with, wanted to lean in and go a lot faster on workforce collaboration when they before before the pandemic, but they had to go to a three year model to implement it so that they could absorb everything. And as soon as this thing hit, all of that just got pulled forward to you know three weeks. So um, the workforce collaboration component, and they overnight, it's like overnight, everybody went to teams in this company. Uh, so that's one kind of an acceleration that I saw. The other kind of acceleration I've seen is, and I've read a lot about as well, is on the data side, if you will. A lot of companies, the traditional metrics that they use to track the performance of the business, they just don't hold because you know, customers aren't uh, coming into their stores so that they can run their traditional retail events during the during the annual um, consumption periods where it makes sense to do it. So they have to be agile and adjust and define, listen to the, the actions that their customers and consumers are, are taking and respond to that practically real time. So that's the other lean-in that I've seen is really on the customer engagement standpoint. And that's coming from line leaders, the general managers, the people who run the product lines and are responsible for the P&Ls saying, I need these capabilities in order for me to be able to do business with my customers. I'm sure Rick has a few examples of things that he's done in his world as well that he could elaborate on. Yeah, I, I would echo what you just said, Robert, in terms of what, what happened with us is as soon as we entered into COVID mode, the um, the digital work, really what happened to us was our digital roadmap, because we had a pretty pretty extensive digital roadmap over the last two years. And what we really ended up doing is accelerating essentially two quarters into about a month or month and a half. That's really what it equated for us. And on the digital, when we talk digital from my standpoint, there's usually two big halves to that. There's the the part, um, the, the first half is the sales side of digital, you know, all the aspects of selling online, all our products and changing packaging and all those things online. And then the other part is really the service side of how do we support our customers digitally. And most of the work we put into it was around the, the service and support side, because what happened to us was our call centers were all moving from our buildings into their individual homes. And we had techs that weren't able to get into everybody's houses because of COVID. And so we needed to really quickly figure out how do we support all the customers' needs on the service side through self-service or you know digitally. And that meant a number of implementing a number of use cases that we weren't planning on for a couple of quarters around helping people fix their billing problems, helping people fix their internet problems, various things like that. So that's what digital acceleration looked like to us. Well, Rick, and, and I'm curious here because I would imagine, you know, so many of these companies had, you know, that are Comcast customers that are now going from needing all of these capabilities in the office to now this distributed workforce, like their needs kind of change overnight. And now their personal e- or their personal um, 
internet is so critical. Uh, and they got competing zooms, you know, you got, you got four different zooms going with your kids and you and your significant other, whatever. Uh, I'm curious, like how, how did it change from a customer perspective? Were you answering calls more, more along the lines of like, Hey, I, I got, you know, 5,000 employees that need to figure out how to make sure that their, their video quality is better or things like that. Like, I'm curious, what, what were those conversations like? Yeah, I think, well, like I was saying earlier, o- overall things went extremely well. I mean, what we really saw was a shift in the usage patterns. So typically our usage patterns for residential customers is it's pretty quiet during the day and then it kicks up right around 5, 6 p.m. all the way through to maybe 11 p.m., you know, peak time. And that's when people are using their residential internet service. And so what we saw here was not only did we have more people using the residential services, but the time of day was really the peak was now in the late morning, early afternoon versus seven o'clock, eight o'clock. And then the third shift was really, we're used to everybody when they're at home, we're used to the majority of the bandwidth coming down into the homes, right? Downstream into your house because you're watching videos and surfing the internet. What we saw was all this upstream traffic because everybody's all of a sudden doing, like you said, like multiple Zoom calls during the day with all this upstream video. And so all the usage patterns shifted pretty pretty dramatically, but the network held up really well and um, our call centers were able to handle really well. And so, you know, I don't want to say it was without a, without a blip. We had a lot of people working around the clock to address where we did have um, some capacity challenges. But in the big scheme of things, really no big, no big issues. And then, you know, you mentioned you've kind of gone through a personal transformation here over the past few years where you were building products. I'd imagine it was pretty cool to see some of the products that you spent so much time building now being at the forefront of, of kind of every conversation to, to deal with the problems that people are facing. Yeah. So, so when I first joined Comcast, I've been with Comcast about 15 years and for my first I was on the customer-facing engineering side, so building products that were facing our customers. Um, so a lot of that, a lot of the software behind the X1 video product that we launched, and my team invented the voice remote where you talk into the the remote and control the X1 set-top box. And so that was a ton of fun, really an innovative time, and, and a big shift for Comcast, which we went through a. a um, an interesting transformation as an overall company from being what I would consider to be a cable operator to being a product and technology company, and then later to be a customer experience company. And so being a part of that whole transformation was, was really exciting. And then about three years ago, transitioning over as CIO and taking a bigger role in the customer experience transformation, which is really my big focus right now is customer experience and digital transformations. I wanted to uh, kind of continue on this train, but uh, ask Robert, you mentioned that because everything has been so accelerating and uh, digital transformations at Pepsi, at Comcast, at all these different companies, it has just been going faster than ever before. What have been the major challenges that you've witnessed, uh, either as a board member or, or as a CIO, the challenges in driving digital transformation and and things that kind of had to be pushed to the side because of, you know, the state of the world? Well, quite often, uh, digital transformations, they tend to be the the purview of a 
a quote technology team. And you don't see as much uh, business unit engagement in the activity, you know, unless it's a company like, uh, you know, Rick's company, where it's a technology company at the core. So some of the things that I've seen a real step up in are the business leaders coming to the table, not just looking at this as a technology transformation, but looking at it as a way in which I can now leverage these capabilities, these technical capabilities to create better value or new value for my customers. So the demand goes up for creating these kinds of uh, new capabilities. And, um, and we see all of a sudden a shift with a greater emphasis on this type of work as, uh, as part of the, the overall business strategy, as one example. The other example where uh, we've seen a significant shift in dealing with some of the challenges goes back to um, looking at the um, information risk aspects of um, you know, what's going on with this uh, disruption around COVID. And with everybody working from home now, most enterprises shut down at the center um, and everyone is using the home networks, the connect points into the information assets and the identifying the individual to make sure that Cassidy truly is Cassidy another area of significant emphasis. So um, you've seen a lot of work on identity management, especially customer identity, not just the workforce identity, with everything just overnight shifting much faster to the cloud and uh, those networks being run from home. You just want to make sure that the right people are talking to your information assets. So those are some of the challenges that I've seen the boards deal with um, in a much more significant way. Yeah, I can imagine the identity of customers is a huge challenge, especially for very consumer-facing products, whether it be someone's internet or TV or just the things that people are buying online and, and even studying, too. I'm, I'm sure Georgia Tech has had its, its own challenges as well. I would just say that every... Um, Every enterprise, if you're not doing it, should really be amping up the emphasis on customer identity, uh, because I think that is a huge area of opportunity for just exposures that um, can easily be addressed if you uh, bring the right platforms in to assist with it. Well, and, you know, I wanted to ask you, obviously, back in... um Back in June, you joined uh, the board of, of Okta. Okta is an amazing sponsor of the show, and they've just been a great company to work with. But you know, beyond that, I mean, I think we're kind of seeing this identity management was thrust on us so quickly. It was something I think a lot of people were, were thinking about uh, or trying to figure out. And then all of a sudden, it was just like in your lap, and now it's, okay, remote work, work from home, distributed workforce, hybrid workforce, like all these things kind of happened right at the exact same time. And now it's more critical than ever. Like, you know, why are you, why are you so excited about, about identity and, and where is, where do you think identity is, is going for your fellow CIOs? Well, with most companies, I think, I think identity will be one of the platforms that, you know, CIOs like to talk about, rightly so, platforms that uh, they're using to um, stitch the business together and, um, you know, deliver value for the enterprise. 
And I think identity is one of those platforms that you need to be thinking about identity as a platform, if you will. The reason I say that is because the majority of the new stuff that's coming out from suppliers and vendors is running on somebody's cloud. It's no longer running on, you know, some of it still does, but it's primarily on the cloud. And, you know, you don't see as much of the new capability running on premise on a company's uh, own IT infrastructure because of this emphasis and this shift towards cloud first and uh, mobile first and um, all these other you know new technology disruptors that are uh, well on the way. So with that move to cloud first and with the just overall general emphasis on digital, a lot of companies think about digital being the customer engagement component first and foremost. And then they think about the operational, internal operational aspects secondary. Well, if you look at where most of the digital investment is going across enterprises, broadly speaking, it's on customer engagement. So if customer engagement is moving to the cloud, you're pushing more apps and more more interactions and more experiences with your customers on the cloud. And those clouds are, it's not just one uniform cloud service, it's multiple cloud services. So all of a sudden, you've got a customer engaging with you as an enterprise across multiple cloud platforms. You just want to make sure that you've got an identity platform that can cut across those uh, multiple aspects and uh, make sure that Robert Dixon is truly Robert Dixon and he has the right to access my loyalty account or whatever, you know, service that I'm providing to him or her. Yeah, Rick, I'm curious how you view identity as it relates to customer experience. I know, as you mentioned, Comcast, you're relentlessly obsessed with, with improving that customer experience and figuring that out from a CIO perspective. Identity seems like it would be a part of that. Yeah, it really is. It started, I think we started our digital journey about four years ago. And when we started down the digital transformation, identity was really at the center of it because we came to the conclusion of it's really hard to have a digital relationship with a customer if we don't have a digital identity of that customer. And so as part of our overall customer experience transformation we were doing, Digital was a key component of that, and identity was at the center of digital. And so we started to really invest about four years ago in our customer-facing identity platform because we realized that um, we either needed someone's mobile phone number or we needed their email address if we really wanted to have a digital relationship with them and interact with them across the whole customer experience, across their entire life cycle. And so... We really beefed up the platform. We implemented, you know, MFA. We implemented a number of identity security mechanisms. Can't say that we're, you know, we're we're completely through the journey, but I feel like we have, um, we've really spent a lot of time focused in that space. And then we've also started uh, a journey on the employee identity space because while the customer identity is really important, when you have a whole lot of employees in the company, with all different roles using a lot of different tools that are touching 
data and customers in a lot of different ways. You also need to secure the employee identity. In some cases, that might even be more critical to the, the security of the enterprise than the customer piece. And so we've been investing a lot of energy on automating and managing the employee identity as well. So in addition to employee identity as well, uh, I we've seen that there's several labs within Comcast that help kind of guide uh, your agenda in general. How do you guide these teams and these uh, these employees while giving them the independence that they need to work fast, especially all remotely? I'm very fortunate within Comcast in that we've we've made a number of investments in different companies and organizations that give me a, a really good view of what's going on out there in the broader industry and where things are going longer term. We have a group called Comcast Labs, which is an R&D organization that typically is looking at technologies five years out. We have an investment team called Comcast Ventures, which does a number of investments in any one year on technology companies. And then we do an incubator. We have this incubator with tech stars called Lift Labs, where we take really you know, true startups and take them through a mentoring program within the company. So I use all three of those tools to really just help me get insight into what's going on in the world, what's going on out there in Silicon Valley, what technologies, trends are we starting to see, what's hot. But those are all just, to me, those are data points. Ultimately, when it comes to making decisions within our teams, I find that um, the best people to make those decisions are the folks that are closest to the work. And as long, you know, as, as leaders of technology, the best thing we can do is give those folks context you know, help them frame the problem, make sure they're focused on solving the right problems. And then I try to bring, you know, information from any of these three organizations or really anywhere else to um, just give them more data points as they're trying to make their decisions. If I could build on uh, on Rick's comments, this is, um, this is where I, I like to um, describe the interaction that he just talked about as um, the, the IT innovation uh, that needs to go on in you know practically every business, and there's a vector that I think about around what's needed in the business, and this is where you have to have uh, business leaders, subject matter experts, technology leaders, really, really go deep on the business, the business models, and how they actually create value for their customers and their consumers, how they fundamentally create value and um, how they actually create value for the enterprise. So with that understanding, then I think you have to take the things that Rick talked about, which are the, the, the business ventures, the labs, the work on the front line where somebody might be doing some experimentation. And that's looking at what's possible with technology. And that may not be doing exactly what you needed to do to address your business need. But when you see an opportunity to overlap the two, what's needed from a business standpoint to truly create value and what's possible with technology, you put those two things together with the right teams, which is multidisciplinary, And then there you can create a real value proposition that's going to be um, beneficial for your customer, be it a, a, a retail customer, an external customer, or 
uh, one of your business units that's trying to figure out how to run, run the operations better. So it's that whole innovation emphasis that I think is, uh, is really critical and it's one of the key roles that CIOs uh, need to uh, step up and take a, a leadership on. Were there any projects that you oversaw over the years that you were particularly uh, invested in or excited about? Who, me personally? Yeah, yeah, from an, from an innovation standpoint or things that came out of those kind of programs. Well, we did quite a few things. Um, I was in the early stages of, uh, of what Rick just described uh, when I was at uh, PepsiCo. And uh, we had innovation labs at P&G as well when I was uh, an IT executive there also. But um, one of the things that uh, we spent a lot of time on was the, uh, the touch point with the customer. And this is where we did a lot with our go-to-market platforms. We looked at uh, how we could do things differently in the store, in the retail store, especially the smaller stores where you didn't have the big national accounts, and be able to help a store owner envision the way a display shelf could look. We could actually take a picture of a, of a, of a display shelf. We could overlay our products that were coming, the new products that were coming digitally on that display shelf, see where it sat in, in the owner's store, and use that as a way to have a conceptual discussion about what's coming down the pipe and uh, if they wanted to participate in it. So a lot of things uh, around that kind of capability. Another one that I can recall when I was at Procter & Gamble, more on the internal operational side, I spent a fair amount of time with the um, engineering function in one of the operating divisions that I was responsible for. They had some really, really great engineers who collaborated quite nicely with us. We had really, really great information technology leaders and, and, and uh, specialists. And digital was just on the early first generation of uh, creating digital so all of the, um, the virtual 3D, we had this big room with the screens and the, uh, and the goggles, and we actually created plants, production facilities that were being engineered, and they were in the early design phase. We would create three-dimensional renderings of these, and then we went to, we went to holographic renderings, and engineer could put the goggles on and go into the digital room and they could walk up and down the line and see how the um, equipment was designed. And then we would bring technicians in to actually um, look at some of this as well from the production sites. And then they would tell us that you had to change the layout because it didn't work quite that well for technicians because they would be running it this way instead of that way. So you gain tremendous insight upstream in the design cycle, early design cycle, and you can avoid a lot of um, capital investments that uh, you end up uh, not using uh, because you're getting that customer input very early. So those are two examples of things that, uh, that remind me of some of the stuff we did around digital innovation. Rick, what about you? Any, uh, any buy or build projects that you were particularly uh, you know, excited about? Yeah, there's really two that I can think of that, really were, were some of the, have been some of the most exciting 
parts of my career. Um, the first one was really the voice remote that I mentioned earlier. And what, what I love about what we did with the voice remote is it didn't start with a product spec. It didn't start with a business sponsor or any of those things. It didn't start with a big fat budget or a presentation to the board. It started with an idea that two of us had. And um, we put a couple engineers on it, like two engineers that were sort of part-timing it. And they created a prototype and the initial prototype sucked. And so we pivoted and we created another version and that turned out to be really, really good. And then we started putting it in our homes. And so I had my son use it. He was our alpha customer and he started giving me feedback and I brought it back to the lab. And we had four engineers working on it. And then we had six. Eventually had a part-time product owner kind of start to put some product requirements around it. And then one day we showed it to a bunch of people. And um, from there, it took off It took off like, like crazy um, and turned out to be one of the best products we have in terms of customer experience and, and churn reduction and just overall satisfaction. That was, I think, the most fun I've had in my career. And what I love about it is it started from a bunch of engineers with an idea. It didn't have to come from the business. And, you know, one of the big messages I, I bring to my team all the time is um, great ideas can come from the engineering teams. Not all great ideas have to come from our business partners. And then the, the other big project that we're really in the middle of right now is our Xfinity Assistant. And that's all about creating digital interactions with our customers. And so what we've created there is, is what I would consider to be a, um, you know, it's really a, a one brain that we've built that has a number of UIs that we can apply to it. But what we've done is we've been able to collect all the data, contextual data we can get about a particular customer. So let's say, Ian, you were having a problem and you went to our digital assistant the first thing it would do behind the scenes is grab all the information we have about you in terms of what's going on with your cable modem and you know telemetry information on your cable modem and whether you recently just paid your bill and whether you had any operational calls into the call center, you know those sorts of things. Bring that into an assistant and then using machine learning and AI, we start to recommend things you can do to start to resolve your problem right there um, digitally, either on the website or, or through our app. And I just think this has, it's a, it has a ton of potential in terms of helping us automate and proactively address problems for customers, but then also reactively get customers to the best answer as fast as we can. And so I think it's going to have, um, it's already had a lot of impact in terms of improving customer experience, but I think it's, it's got a lot of legs going forward. You know, the best part of all these sort of digital initiatives, at least at Comcast, is they're not only driving great customer experiences, but they're taking a lot of call volume and truck rolls out of our business, which takes a lot of cost out of the business as well. So a lot of these digital initiatives like our Xfinity Assistant are double, you know, they're double good guys in creating better experiences and at the same time taking cost out of the business. So those are my those are my two favorites. Yeah, we've done some similar things at um, Anthem Healthcare as one of the boards that I sit on. And uh, they've developed an application. It's an AI uh, application called Sydney, S-Y-D-N-E-Y. It's a, it's a member engagement assistant, if you will. That's kind of the way I describe it. But it does very similar things that Rick described in the world of Comcast, where 
it will uh, pull together all of your you know health information of course with your permission but then help you find doctors it'll give you guidance around how to deal with uh covid-19 uh if you've got a question about uh some aspects of your claim uh it'll it'll help you with things of that nature um and it's just doing an awful lot to help improve the interaction with the members who have insurance plans but also it's automating a lot of the day-to-day customer service interactions that uh would occur and uh improving the efficiencies uh, there as well across the company so a very similar example but a lot of i a lot of what i see on the digital engagement is in that sweet that's a sweet spot that i see a lot of um activity in that that Rick described in in the one that i just example i just used it's so fun to hear about these products and how they came to be just as a developer myself and and getting to think oh this is this is how this one came to be it came from engineers or it came from different uh different customer asks and stuff i think that's so cool now uh we're getting towards the end here but i would like to ask you if you could ask your fellow cio on the call one question what would it be rick you want to go first i would like to go first cuz i am as i mentioned earlier on the call i've only been in the cio for about role for about three and a half years and when i took the position I was really curious what it was like to be a, you know, what it really meant to be a CIO because I came more from the software development product side of things. And so my my question for you, Robert, is um, does it get easier over time? <laughs> does it get easier? Um, no, I don't think it gets easier. Um, it's, uh, it's, look, this is a very, very challenging role. Um, but it's a very interesting role as well, because like you, Rick, I mean, I, I grew up in engineering uh, at Procter & Gamble, and then I moved across to IT very early in my career, and I spent the, the majority of my professional career in the world of IT. But as I think about when I moved into IT several decades ago, IT was literally a back office operation. I mean, the, my job was in the basement of a parking lot uh, because I was responsible for voice communications networks, phone systems around the company. And that was one of the first things that I worked on when I shifted my career into IT. You know, fast forward 30 years later, and, uh, you know, this is, a, this is a boardroom imperative now. So, you know, what's changed on this? it's the is the evolution of the technology plus the the expectation in the role of the CIO and what i see happening which is why it doesn't get any easier is that there's this convergence of enterprise it and and digital this thing that we've been talking about is digital um and they at one time they were moving on separate tracks with separate leadership, separate everything. Now we're starting to see more of a convergence and this is starting to come together under one leader. And the the integration of all of this, um, companies are seeing the values and the benefits of that now that they're starting to gain some experience with what digital really means for them. And then you see the evolution of this combined role into what I would call an XCOM or CEO report role. So, Rick, I'm just curious, um, where do you report into Comcast? I report into um, 
the well, what, what used to be the chief the chief customer experience officer. So um, who, who's now the the um, chief product officer? So and that that reports up into our president of overall technology, who then reports to our CEO. I'm on the uh, I'll say the technology wing of the company. Okay, and and that makes total sense for a company like Comcast. Now, on the other extreme, I see companies, um, particularly in the consumer space, where they understand the importance of the role of the CIO, and they've elevated it to the executive committee. It's one of the handful of named executive officers in the company, and uh, it reports directly into the chief executive officer as well. And the function is Basically, you know, it's, it's become too critical just to be buried into the organization. So you're seeing this shift in a lot of, uh, of the new recruits that are being explored for chief information officer roles. And then the third thing that I see is this emphasis on, and I think Rick fits, fits this nicely, it's this business-oriented technologist versus a pure technologist. Now, he grew up on the engineering side of the house, but I would argue that that was part of Comcast's core business is engineering technology solutions for their for their customers, be they residential or enterprise. But they've come out of um, um, this emphasis on business-oriented technologists and not just building widgets for the sake of building widgets. But how do you connect to the business strategy and that you connect the technology investments with the business strategy. How do you broaden the emphasis on shared services related to those investments and monetize the data coming out of all of these interactions and the insights coming out of all these interactions, not just in your operations, but with the customers? Then how do you bring more thought leadership into the information risk management component? So when you do all of that, and then you have a responsibility for ensuring that this connects across the entire ecosystem of the enterprise, not just in the U.S., but around the world, that becomes a very demanding uh, set of responsibilities. And it's a, it's a view into how the company is run that I think very few executives have as comprehensive a view. So that makes it even that much more challenging because uh, everybody wants a little piece of your time and uh, you have to find a way to, to do it. The other thing I find that CIOs need to, to be good at is psychology. They need to have a psychology degree because people can get real emotional about their IT. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> you know, you, you have to have good people skills um, to deal with a lot of that as well. I always tell people that code is easy. People are harder. <laughs> if you can, if you can get the the tech down, that's nothing. But if you can understand your team, that's where your tech teams start to succeed a lot more. Yeah, it's a people business when you get right down to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, what question do you have for Rick? Well, you asked the question that I have for Rick, which was, he's come out of the engineering side of the house, and now he's moved into the IT leadership side of the house, and uh, while on the engineering side, he's worked the software development, which is also a core responsibility for an IT operation. And just what differences did he see? And then what is he trying to do different with his IT team that uh, you know he would encourage other IT teams to think about having lived on both sides of the, uh, the ledger? 
Yeah, the, the irony is, is that the difference between the two organizations, it's really not much different from a technology perspective. The technologies, in some cases, they might be using different names, but essentially the technology is almost identical. The big difference is the culture, right? The folks on the product engineering side, they think of the customer, their customer is the customer, right? And they see that their job is really a like a core part of their job is innovating for that customer. When you go to the IT organizations, what at least what I've seen within our organization and, and a couple other companies is if I go back three years, four years when, when I took on the role, it felt like we looked at the customer as being our business partner. And so one of my sayings that I started right off the bat, which I think was a little controversial was, and I'd say this with our business partners in the room, who I, who I, I have some of the best business partners you could ever, ever ask for within Comcast. They're phenomenal. But I would say with them in the room, our business partners are our business partners. They're not our customers. Our customers are the people that pay the bills. And so we should be partnering with our business partners to create great customer experiences. But just because my business partner is happy doesn't mean I did a great job. I didn't do a great job unless my customer's happy. And when we started to kind of shift the culture a bit along those lines and talk about we're not taking orders from the business, our job is actually to be thoughtful about how do we build reusable platforms, create reusable capabilities, build great experiences for our employees and for our customers. I started to see in a shift, it wasn't that the, that the team wasn't capable of doing it. It just wasn't, that wasn't their muscle memory from the last five years. And we needed to start to build that muscle in the right direction. And um, now I, I look at the team and, you know, literally last night I was reading something one of our teams did, which was just came up with a brilliant idea. Actually, ironically, this week is a lab week within Comcast where developers can partner up together for the entire week. And they can work on whatever they want. And then at the end of the week, they get to present what they've built. And they we have a lab fair. And typically, we walk around a, a big set of conference rooms linked together. And we all walk around and see what all the developers built on their own. Now we're doing that through virtual lab fairs. It's a fantastic experience. And so one of the I was reading just last night, one of my teams came up with this great idea on how to think differently about the way we manage our our techs and our workforce, and they came up with a prototype and they're going to be building it out in lab week and presenting it at the end of the week, which is really cool. And that's, to me, that's the big shift that um, I'd love to see all IT teams make of going from feeling like your job is just to take the orders from the business and really stepping back, understanding what's important to the business, and then trying to figure out how to leverage their technology in an innovative way in order to change things. And all along, partnering with the business to do it, but as a peer, not as someone that's a subordinate that's just being told what to do. You are just 100,000% correct in, in, that, in, that, uh, in that statement, Rick. I, when I was CIO, what I, my mantra, and I built this into the, um, into the, you know, the vision and mission of the organization and everything was that uh, we had to 
shift from being order takers to being thought leaders in business transformation. And uh, to the extent that we did that well and partnered with the operating units and the global functions in doing that, we got really, really high marks. And to the extent that, you know, we didn't do that as well as we could have, um, that's where, you know, we had to make, and I had to make a lot more adjustments. But that's the key to this function growing up, you know, becoming as relevant as all of the other functions that sit around the table. Because, you know, the other thing I, I, I just like to say in concluding is that, you know, we have a limited amount of capital Every enterprise has to decide how to allocate their capital for investments in, uh, in the business. And at the end of the day, there's not a little piece that they set aside for this business and this the business and this business. You have to sit around the same table with all of the other sales executives and marketing executives and P&L general managers. And you have to articulate and express how your investment is worthy of, of a capital allocation. And you have to show how it's gonna you know, create value for the enterprise. So uh, you, have to think about, you have to think about that as the mantra for you coming in every single day as how you compete um, in those type of situations. And as a result of that, uh, I think uh, you can think more as a peer to peer instead of just being a subordinate who takes an order to go build a widget. I love it. Awesome. Thank you both. We really appreciate, you know, coming on the show, being confidential, given, uh, given your secrets and confidential answers. Any, uh, anything else, uh, Rick, any final thoughts? I think you hit all my thoughts. I, I, um, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure talking with all of you. It was a lot of fun. And I hope, um, some of the conversations useful to your audience. Indeed. And Robert, any final thoughts? No, just thank you for inviting me on the show. And I, uh, I hope, uh, as Rick, the conversation was helpful for, for your audience. Appreciate it. Thank you both so much and take care. Have a good one. All right. Have a good day. Yeah, thank you. That was fun. This episode of CIO Classified is brought to you by Okta. Okta is a complete access management platform for your workforce and customers, securing all your critical resources from cloud to ground. Okta ensures your employees and customers have access to the right tools at the right time from any location and any device. Learn more about the leader in identity-driven security at okta.com. That's O-K-T-A dot com.